great to have everybody here this morning. And uh, last week we we sprang forward, and some people moving forward, bring out of bed. But it's great to have you here on our new time schedule and, and moving forward. If you're just joining us, we're on a we're on a series called Holy Spirit, and uh, we just decided even to, instead of making it formal like the Holy Spirit, just kind of Holy Spirit right in your face. And uh, we're talking obviously about what. Holy Spirit. And uh, some of you may be new to some of the terms I'm going to talk about today, but I'm going to talk about things that would be very consistent with what people understand in the charismatic and Pentecostal branch of Christendom, dealing with Holy Spirit activity and the way he manifests and the way he speaks and the reality of his activity in my life and your life and the activity uh, around the church and in the church, both here in Hazeldale and Vancouver and throughout the earth. And so I uh, just want to kind of tell you to buckle your seatbelts and uh, if this is really all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit came to reveal to us Jesus. Everyone said amen on that. Amen. It's all centered about Jesus. He came to glorify Jesus. He hears from Jesus. He speaks to us from Jesus. And so it really is about Jesus. You know, my conversion to Jesus Christ was both uh, an intellectual pursuit and it was an encounter at the same time. Intellectually, uh, I was finding that the world really didn't have a whole lot of answers for what I was going through. I said at the beginning of the series that this particular doctrine teaching on the person of the Holy Spirit not only changed and transformed my life, but it probably saved me from death. And uh, just because where I was psychologically, emotionally, mentally, I was having all sorts of anxiety disorders, and I was, wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping, and I was obsessed with irrational thoughts and connecting things that shouldn't be connected, and I was a mess for three or four months uh, of my spring of my junior year in college. In fact, I, I played my last year of college football so light, it was just really stupid that I was even playing college football because I had lost so much weight from depression. But uh, in, the, in the middle of that, I was looking for answers. And you know, one of the things I was tormented by, and it's going to be real transparent with you, was my own sexual immorality. And, uh, I was in a class, a counseling class at Central Washington, and uh, they, had, they were showing four different uh, psychologists uh, from four different schools of thought of psychology counseling the same woman with the same problem. She would come in and share her problem to one. He would do his thing, and then they'd show someone else that she shared with a second party and a third party. And, you know, I am tormented by probably demons, and I'm, I'm tormented inside emotionally, mentally. I'm looking for answers. You know, we're all just in there in the seat. It's all black and white, like early 1960s, kind of one of those, you know, we're always, everything was in black and white and weird. And she's sitting there like this, and, well, what's your problem? I, well, I've been committing adultery, and, you know, and I'm thinking, I commit adultery. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting there in class going, that's me, <laughs> on that video screen. And, and as these, one of these psychologists were dealing with her, I, I just sat there and I said, these guys... These guys do not have an answer for this lady. And it was actually a, a, like an epiphany to me. There's no wisdom in the world. I was trying to patch spirituality onto my rebellion. I was trying to patch this and patch that and patch this, patch that. I argued and fought against Christians publicly. The whole Chi Alpha group on campus had like intercession prayer meetings against me and spiritual warfare against me, and it was me against the Christians. It's a, such, a, such a wonderful testimony. And, uh, 
But it was true, and I was going through that, and it just, as I was pursuing Christ, one of the things that took place was the wisdom of God becoming so much superior to the wisdom of men. I had tasted lies, and I had tasted, you know, Keith Green used to sing a song, you know, I was lied to, but you, 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 you spoke the truth. You are the truth. And, and uh, it was so, I believe in a bunch of lies, and I just comparing the New Testament with that, it was just, I just, this has, no, has nothing to offer me. You know, my, my daughter, Annalise, she's, she's in the back there shaking her, our little baby there, but uh, num, no, it was shaking, rocking. Rocking Briar. She's rocking, I shake. We like to shake our kids. We found just, you know, upside down really helps them take quick naps. Okay, no. But she, when she started uh, uh, Christian uh, Youth Theater, it was her first one. It was Godspell. And, uh, and uh, of course, I'm proud that my, my daughter got a, a solo part, you know, day by day. Oh, oh, dear Lord, three things I pray. She sang that. She, she rocked it. She nailed it. She, she killed it. And, uh, she didn't kill the song. She killed it like, you know, it was good. And uh, you know what I'm saying. But uh, she, we're there. And, and I had never been to a CYT uh, you know, event, and I'm sitting there with Sue. We're downtown, the Columbia Theater down there, and this kid sits right next to me with a corduroy, blue jeans, a corduroy jacket on, and he looks at me about two minutes before the show starts, and he says, he's coming! I said, okay, yeah, man, that's nice. That's nice. And, uh, and all of a sudden, the lights go out, and the way they, they presented gospel, which is really from the Gospel of Matthew, is they, they start off, there's an opening number where they're revealing the fallacy and the emptiness of every philosophy man's ever concocted. And they have this dissonant, I don't know, they can't even repeat the song, it was very dissonant, the tune, and the way they did it, they had all these, buddies, all these kids in caps and gowns with flashlights on their face, with the lights out, and this weird song, and they're all singing these different philosophies all at the same time. You know what it sounded like? It sounded like Babel. It sounded like Babylon, confusion. And I'm thinking, God, that just so captures where I was at. And then all of a sudden, the guy sitting next to me stands up and he starts singing, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And all of a sudden, everyone starts standing up all over the audience. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I'm sitting next to John the Baptist. I'm going, oh, wow, that's too much. It's John the Baptist. Well, the second in this pursuit, I started having unusual encounters. You can call them divine appointments, where I met somebody who kind of added another piece of the puzzle to my questions I was inquiring about. And I would have encounters of a, now I know it's the presence of God, like in my room, reading books, like, what's going on around me? And I just, one, I just knew that there was a God, unquestionable. I would just knew that I knew that I knew. It was like a I can't describe it in words. I just knew inside I am a believer in a one true God. I didn't come to Christ yet. I had warnings from the Holy Spirit, real warnings, like 
This is what you'll become if you don't repent. I mean, I had some, and not, not, not knowing really the voice of God, I just sensed this warning. That's my future if I don't make some changes. God was, God was dealing in specific areas where I was feeling guilty. And so when I, when I was finally put this all together, I drove 50 miles one night. I came from a Catholic background, so I only trusted somebody with a collar. And uh, I drove to a church, Episcopalian church in, in Ballard, Washington, called St. Luke's Episcopal. And the, 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 the head pastor there was Father Dennis Bennett. He was just a real intellectual guy. I don't know how many degrees he had. And, and uh, he, back in 1960, got baptized in the Holy Spirit with some people in his little, in his little it was a big uh, Episcopalian church. They led him to this thing called the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And he began speaking in tongues. And so he got on the cover of Newsweek magazine. Episcopalian priest speaks in tongues because up to that time, only weirdos and you know storefront churches and back alleys and you know gospel missions and you know holy rollers and all of a sudden this intellectual guy gets on the cover of Newsweek magazine. The Episcopalian church pulled him out of his church and stuck him up in a little little mission up in Seattle to hide him because they were embarrassed by him. And he was just ashamed and broken. And lady came in one day and said, are you Dennis Bennett? He says, yeah, he's in his office. He goes, the Lord gave me a word for you. Preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And from that point on, thousands and thousands of people, like I did on that March 12th, 1976, came every Friday night to hear his story. And people got healed and people got delivered. And in the manifestation of that aspect of speaking in tongues, People spoke in language, knowing languages of the world all the time. It was very much a part of my first church experience. And so that's all that, that night, he says, if Jesus ain't Lord, he ain't Lord of all. You know, you, you got to make him Lord. He just blew away all, with so much authority. And it was like someone took a blow gun or something, just blew away all the debris of humanism and, and, and uh, just secularism out of my head. And just faith just arose that I made Jesus the Lord of my life. And then they brought us upstairs to get prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In those days, they made you renounce everything you've ever done. Like you, you ever hold a rabbit's foot, renounce it. There's a demon attached to it. You know, an eight ball, there's a demon attached to it. I mean, you're renouncing everything. I can't, I'll renounce it. I just want God. Whatever I need to renounce, I want God. Because they used to pray for people. They get catapulted over the altar railings and stuff because they were demonized. I mean, this was not like a little She Wrote a Honda show. This was real like New Testament, like Acts 8 when Philip's preaching and things are screaming out of people. This is what this was. This was Acts alive. No games. No games. And so I went up there and God got doused and I started speaking in this language. And I remember in my mind, of course, I was loud then like I'm loud now. Last night Sue was telling me, you're awful loud at the table. I'm just loud. Ushers, remove that man. <laughs> and and, uh, and I, I remember in my limited language of prayer, I'm thinking if I could put my words in English to talk to God, that's exactly what I want to say. I was getting interpreted. So I got tongues and interpretation by another person the first night, witnessing everything I wanted. And then my life was ruined after that. I devoured the New Testament. I was preaching to everybody I could find. I mean, 
I was a mess for Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus. I was empowered by Jesus. I didn't, I didn't have any theological debates. I met the living God. Everything I read in the Bible, I was experiencing. Because the Bible comes even doubly alive. I remember one time I was at this little, you know, those taco wagons, those hot dog wagons, you know. And, uh, you know, they give you a hot dog or a sandwich or something, you know, like the taco wagon down here in 78th. Guy had a gospel music on. I was getting my hot dog and Coke, and I said, hey, you a, you a believer? He goes, yes, sir. I was just getting introduced to Pentecostal Christians, and I found him very weird. He goes, yes, sir. I fellowship with anybody who speaks in tongues and reads the, the old King James English. I said, well, I, I speak in tongues, but I, I got my little green living Bible. <laughs> so let's, I said here a few, either last week or the week before, that the Bible is the recorded history of the Holy Spirit's activity. So let me give you just a really quick review here. Move fast, because I got something to give to you in your hand. Nehemiah, they have just returned from what's called the Babylonian captivity. They've been in captivity for 70 years out of judgment, and they're returning to what you know today as Israel. They're rebuilding the city. And Nehemiah said this, Many years you bore with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets, but they would not give ear. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. The Old Testament, what you know is the Old Testament, it really consists of a few things. It's the history of early man. It's the history of Israel and Israel's journey of becoming a nation. It's the history of its kings. It's also the history of the giving of the law. And it's the history of prophets that God raised up warning the people to keep the law. When I used to take, I took minor prophets at Portland Bible College. They were called covenant enforcers. They were there to enforce the covenant. People would keep the covenant. And in those warnings, and sometimes encouragements to move on and pursue the will of God, they prophesied about a new day coming, the day in which you and I live in, the day of the Messiah, when God would come and he would bring a new day to his people and even touch the Gentiles. And these are the predictive prophecies of the Old Testament. But they spoke by the Spirit. The writer of Hebrews says this, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers, notice this, by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, uh, through whom also he created the world. So the prophets spoke to them through the inspiration of the Spirit. But the question is, how did the Spirit move through them? And the second, the Hebrews tells us, he speaks to us now through his son. But how does the son speak to us now? Well, Let's, let's first talk about how the prophets prophesied by the Spirit in the Old Testament. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 tells us how the Old Testament prophets spoke. And they say, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. In other words, their own initiation, their own origination. They didn't make it up, is what Peter is saying. For no prophecy, well, wait, I thought that was the Bible, that's not prophecy. No, this is the highest level of prophecy called the Bible. All other forms of prophecy are to be judged by it. All other forms are less than this, but this is prophecy. No prophecy of the scripture I'm, it comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, by the agenda of man. 
But men spoke from God. Now notice this. As they were carried along by this Holy Spirit. So that's how God spoke in those days. He, the prophets were carried. They were carried along by the Spirit. The prophets were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. And they began to spoke, speak and, and write down God's words. Well then, okay, that's how the prophet spoke, but how does Jesus the Son speak to us now? Hebrews says we are now now hearing from the Son. By the way, his name's Jesus. Well, this is what Jesus said. When the Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Hear from who? Hear from who? And he will declare to you things that are to come, which means the Spirit reveals to us predictive things. He will glorify me. Who's me here? Jesus. So who is the Spirit hearing from? Jesus. Come on, who's talking? You guys doing really good. He will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. He hears from Jesus and he shares with us what Jesus is saying. So when we have scriptures like in the book of Revelation, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. It's Jesus speaking to the church through the Holy Spirit. So I've never heard Jesus speak. Yeah, you have. If you have the Holy Spirit, you've heard Jesus speak. He has spoken to you through the Holy Spirit. Now when Jesus is describing this experience of you and I being born again, when we ask Jesus into our life, And we receive a new nature. The Bible says we're a new creation. Jesus says you have to be born again. When 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 heaven itself comes into our life through the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus describes it and and he compares it to wind. And he says the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, wind, it's interesting that Jesus used wind. You know, I know we have fans today, but in the context of that day, you can't produce your hair today as a reason. You can't produce wind. It's something that God does. It's the work of God. You're here today as a result of the agenda of God. You're here today because God initiated something with you. You're here today because he came to you, he drew you, he shook you, he rattled you, he filled you, he changed you. You heard Deidre say 12 years ago is what happened to us. It was the work of the Spirit, just like you can't produce wind. The other thing about wind is you, you can't see it, but you sure can't see the results. It's kind of mysterious sometimes. It starts blowing off the mountains and there it is, but you can see the results. So how did that guy that ran with the hell's angels now pastors a church, how did that happen? Come on, it's just like the wind. Come on, just you see the effect of that thing. How did that atheist now, he writes around and he's an author of books helping people find faith. It's the wind of the spirit. The other thing about wind, it's, it's not visible to the eye, but it's tangible. It's because you can't see the Holy Spirit. He's very tangible. He's tangible right here in the work that I see before me. You know, Jesus said this. He says, behold, I am sending you the promise of the Father, but you stay, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. We know that in John 20, after he rose from the dead, he breathed on his apostles, and he said, receive the Spirit. Now he says, I want you to wait to be clothed with power from on high. 
And this is what we, we would say to you, that, that Jesus not only desires to be in you and being born again, and if you have faith in Christ today, you are born again. You can't be a Christian and not be born again. You put faith, he's in you. You cannot say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. You are a saved, born again person with the Holy Spirit in your life, Christian, follower of Jesus. But he says here, I want to clothe you with power. And so God wants to clothe us with power, what he calls the promise of the Father, or what we're going to call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He wants to clothe you with power. So do I have to do those things? Like, do I have to speak in tongues? <laughs> no, you get to. Do I have to, like, move in the gifts of the Spirit? No, you get the great honor of moving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a no-brainer. He wants to move through you. Well, what happens if I don't want him to move through me? Well, you need to get saved. <laughs> so that you be obedient to God. But what he wants to do through you. I'm being a little bit embellishing there, I know. But the issue is this, is that we want everything God wants for us. Amen? Yes, amen. Paul said this, for those who live according to the flesh, come on, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The result of receiving the Spirit is that our minds are being overtaken by God's thoughts. We are a led people. Come on, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. Come on. We are led. This is really how you can know someone has the Spirit. God is leading them and changing their thinking and changing their attitudes and what they do with their choices and what they do with their life and what their focus is on and what he wants them to do and function. And they're just constantly being inspired and led by these things. So we get down to the text, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, Jesus brought the unmerited favor of God. We don't deserve to be here, do we? And the love of God. That's what grace does. Grace brings God's love to you. And then the result of that is relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, Bob, how do I know if God is speaking to me? Well, I'm going to help you. Ushers, you got, a, you got cards, and I want, you to, I want you to hand these cards out. And I got this to put in your Bible. And we're going to do a little thing here, a little workshop with cards saying, Holy Spirit, how do I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And we're gonna just go through this right now just to help you out. I'm gonna move a little bit quicker than you get that. I'm not gonna stall my sermon on that. The boys got me on a clock today. Here we go. How do I begin this life in the spirit? First, whoops, I went ahead of myself. I wanna go back, okay. <laughs> okay, I didn't, all right. I'll just, just, don't look, just don't look above. <laughs> I'll get to that in a, a little bit. The card here. Forgot I gave instructions to not put this on the overhead. First thing is this. How do I know? Very quickly. One, he'll show you and draw you to Jesus. If you have put your faith in Christ, you've already heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 11 Verse 27 says, no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to, where, to anyone to whom the Son decides to reveal him. So you can't even get born again unless you've had a revelation from God. You've already heard the voice of God. The second thing is this, he will speak to you through the Bible. Well, who wrote the Bible? Holy men of God were carried along by the Spirit. It's the Spirit's words. 
It's the Spirit's words. And so you, 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 when you're reading the Bible, you're, you're hearing the voice of the Spirit through the absolute highest level, the way the Spirit speaks. The third way, he will only speak to you things consistent with the Scriptures. In Isaiah's day, Isaiah's saying, why are you going to the mediums and the necromancers and these guys who are trying to communicate to the dead? How will the dead help the living? And then he says this in Isaiah 8.20. He says, to the law and to the testimony. In other words, to the Scriptures. If they, these mediums, these false prophets, these psychics, these clairvoyants, these Ouija board people, if they don't speak according to the law, there's no anointing. There's no light and understanding in them. So whatever God's going to speak to you, it's going to be consistent with Scripture. Four, he'll expose you to you and lead you to repentance. We said this last week. And when the spirit of truth will come, he will convict the world, John 16, 8, of sin. That word convict comes from a root word to expose one's fault. He's going to, painful, he's going to show you to you. You know, Robbie back there in open games, we compete against athletes all around the world in our age category. And you get, you, get, you get tested and judged, and then you get put in a program, and then you get ranked. It's very humbling. <laughs> That's all I got to say. You weren't quite the stud you thought. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, he has a way of just showing you you, that you ain't got as, the A game, maybe you think. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But it's good. It hurts so good. Everyone say, it hurts so good. It hurts so good. All right. Five, he's going to make your conscience uncomfortable about something. Now, this isn't condemnation where you're experiencing rejection, but you are, you are, you are becoming uncomfortable about something you're doing because God wants you to drop that in your life, and he's going to make you uncomfortable about it. He's going to mess with your thing called conscience. Conscience comes from two words, con with science knowledge. You're doing it with knowledge that's wrong. Now, you can kill that conscience. You can sear it. I have scar tissue on my back, all over my back, because of an accident I had. I can't feel anything when you draw it, you put your finger on it. That could be your conscience. I don't feel anything anymore. Well, you know what that's like, sociopathic behavior. I mean, well, we, we don't want to be that. We want to just obey our conscience and be God's people. He'll, he'll move you towards someone or something. You can't get away from focusing on a person. Why? Is it their necklace? No. You're focusing because God's bringing your attention to them. And you've got to figure out why. Or maybe some situation. You just can't, you know, that, that, that single mom in that house, we heard about that need or those kids. You know, I felt God speak to me about, about what Ben was talking about with Hazeldell. And I got, I got something in my mind. I felt God speak to me, draw me to that situation about we're going to have meat in every one of those bags so those kids can eat protein. Well, how are you going to do that? God will figure it out. He just spoke to me about it. All right. But once you're drawn to something, okay? Number seven, he'll dominate your mind with a thought or a word or impression. It's all of a sudden, everything else stops, and you get this impression. Everything else stops. You get a thing that won't shake. You get, this, you get this thing that just is in you that won't shake, and, and, and it's just in you. Number eight, he'll give you peace about a direction. You know, Philippians 4, 7 says that the peace of God, 
that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind or guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is like a referee. Now, I know we get upset with referees, and we got March Madness going on right now. We don't want them to over-officiate. And in football, it's getting so irritating. You know, you have to stop the game. You have to do instant replays and go back, you know, left the booth there and then figure it out. But, but you know, that's what the peace of God is. All of a sudden, your peace is removed. You're stepping out of the will of God. No, 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 no. There is a thing called the peace of God. Jesus said, speak peace to the house. If you're not received, let your peace return to you. My peace I give you. There, there's some of the peace of God. Now, that's not just the only thing that will guide you because my next point was there to balance that. He'll bring two or three confirmations concerning the decision you are making. The Bible says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything is established. So one's the peace of God. The other has to be the Bible because you can't contradict the Bible. Maybe the third one is counsel or circumstances or something lined up. You know, God's told us to go to Africa. And you get there and you come back deported. (laughs) Maybe God didn't tell you to go to Africa. He will open your understanding to the scriptures. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have... We, being you and I, we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand things that are freely given to us by God. We have received the mind of God, so we might know what he's given us. Well, that's exciting. See, Paul always spoke to us on what our future reality is, as if it was an experience now. You're seated with him in heavenly places. you got to know what God's given you. You're not beggars. You're not the back of the line. You're royal. You're kings and queens. You're sons, your daughters. You reign with him forever. I mean, me? Little old me. Little old you. So act like it now. Stand up now. Go after it now. He'll bring a scripture to your mind. You know, maybe you're praying, all of a sudden this scripture comes up, and God just wants you to pray that scripture. Maybe you're encouraging someone, all of a sudden just a scripture comes. Maybe you're, maybe you're prophesying, and all of a sudden these scriptures come to your mind while you're prophesying. Now, when I'm training people prophetically, I tell them, prophesy the Bible. You can't miss it. No, that, was a, that was an off word. How could it be an off word if you're prophesying the Bible? And a lot of people work with me and say, man, Bobby, you quote a lot of Bibles when you're prophesying to people. Yeah, <laughs> keeps me safe. Keeps me right in the will of God, revealing scriptures to them. There was a guy, remember Dick Mills, the old timers? He had like 1,500 verses memorized, and he would give out a verse to somebody, prophetic. This is the verse that came to him. He would give it to you in your situation. Okay, God will bring scriptures to your mind. That's why it's so important you know the word of God. You gotta have something for the Holy Spirit to work with. He'll give you a a deep, he'll, he'll bind you to a mission. We talked about that. Paul said, knowing that I was bound by the Spirit to Jerusalem. That's what it says in the New King Jimmy version. But it says in other versions, compelled or constrained. Okay, there's something of the Spirit that was just moving Paul to something. Now, as a leader with an eldership, I want to tell you something. Most decisions I evaluate and work with the elders. There's an occasion that I am bound in my spirit to something where it's not up for grabs. I've heard, and we're just going to do it. I'm either leading this thing or I'm not. And I don't pull that card out on a continual basis, 
But when I use it, they know this is just what we're going to get behind Bob because he's, he's bound in his spirit to this thing. Now, could you be wrong? Yeah. But most of the time, not. I have been on one. I'm human. He'll give you a deep burden. William Carey, famous missionary to India, was a shoe cobbler. When he took the leather from the soles of shoes he made, he made a map and drew a map of the world in ink, and he, he wept over it. Before he ever went to India, he wept and interceded. They said his tears from his intercession melted the lines of the nations on the, on the globe that he made. You just get this deep burden that just carries you. Come on, he'll make you uncomfortable until you do what he's telling you to do. I love that one. I hate it. You're in a restaurant and you, you're supposed to talk to that waitress and you just want to enjoy your meal. And how am I going to approach this? I'm not enjoying my steak. I'm not enjoying my salad. This is just horrible. But he's making me uncomfortable. Bob, tell you, do what I tell you to do. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I want you to know something that the Holy Spirit nags. He'll speak to you in a dream. Now, we, we dream all the time. I know that. But you'll know when he speaks to you in a dream. I had a dream back in 1998 of a situation that, that uh, was very, very difficult for me. And I had a dream of this situation. I woke up with deep, deep pain over something where people hurt me and I probably hurt the people. And I went 10 years and I was in Mexico City and I woke up in the middle of the night with the very same dream, same pain, same scenario, the exact same dream. So finally I confessed it and revealed it to my elders. And they kind of shared with me. One elder knew the people that I was hurt by. I said, well, this was their perspective of that, which means I was an offending party. And so I went and I sought their forgiveness and blessed them with some money and helped them in an endeavor they were doing. And there was just something healed out of my spirit. So you got to listen to me, what God's saying to you, even in dreams sometimes. But it could be bad pizza. <laughs> You'll place an image in your mind. Now listen, images have to be simple, can't be complex, and you got to be able to interpret it. I used to, we had a lady in our church, she used to give me things like this. Bob, I saw you, and you were going up an escalator, and got off the escalator, and you went to a diving board, you dove into the pool, but there was no water in it. You splashed, and they picked you up, but then you rose up and rode a horse up into the sunset, and they just went on, like, what? Yeah. He'll show you things written on people. I know this sounds weird, but this happens to her. She's had a few experiences where she's seen things written on people. When we were youth pastors at Bible Temple, she went into the bathroom in the foyer during a youth group meeting. There was a girl sitting on the floor crying, and uh, Sue saw the word death written on her. And Sue said, I, I think if you don't give your life to Jesus, you're going to die. And her boyfriend had just committed suicide. It was like her best friend had committed suicide, and she was suicidal. So he just saw it written on her. John Wimber had those experiences from the Vineyard Movement. He saw things written on people. So if, I've never had that happen. And uh, hope I don't. All right. <laughs> it will overtake your mind and consciousness of your surroundings. That could be a call of trance, yeah, but you have this overwhelming focus on something. It will bring an identification to a person or people or situation. He'll, he'll let you go through things so that you begin to identify with this situation and people. You know, Romans 9, 3, Paul says something very strange. 
you may have read it many times, you didn't know what it meant, and, and this is my take on it. He said, I, I want to talk about Israel. He says, I would be willing to be accursed from Christ for their sake. In other words, I would be willing to lose my salvation if it meant them coming to Jesus. Now that's identification. You think he prayed some pretty sincere, intense prayers? Yes, he did. He'll give you a surge of faith to believe him to do something. It's called the gift of faith. You just believe, you believe. Also, there's just this faith beyond faith beyond faith. First time I used that, I was full of faith, and Sue baked some dough for us for my class in public school when we first married. And, and uh, we, she put all this dough out for cinnamon rolls. It was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And I was going to take it to my class. And went to Bible study. We came home, and it didn't rise. It just stayed dense. And my young bride had tears. And I said, it's okay, honey. It's okay. And she goes into her bedroom. And I just had faith. We're going to make this thing rise. So I said, in Jesus' name, rise. And I thought I would help it out. So I put it in the refrigerator. I was so excited. <laughs> Middle of the night, I got up. That thing was like a balloon. Best cinnamon rolls I've ever eaten. They were Holy Ghost cinnamon rolls. <laughs> they were manna cinnamon rolls. They were delicious. All right, to bring this thing home. I've, I've gone too, too long here. How do I know? Holy Spirit speaking to me? Well, I just gave you a few things here. Now, how do I begin this life in the Spirit? Really quick, except by faith, the Spirit's reality in your life. This is how I had to learn to prophesy. I had to learn that I have a gift, and I just had to say, because of that, I got to connect what's going on inside of me with what I think God wants me to do. And I had to connect those dots. You have to connect that the Holy Spirit's in you, and so therefore, everything that's in you is not just you. Everything you're feeling is not just you. Everything you're sensing is not just you. You. Second is this. you got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or what we're, we can call it a lot of words here, the clothing of the Holy Spirit, the immersion of the Holy Spirit, you know, kind of the overwhelming of the Holy Spirit. You know, we'll come up with some, some great names. The increased presence of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to get you going in the Holy Ghost here. Is not about really speaking in tongues, although that's the sign that it's happening, a more fuller experience. But the promises of the Old Testament about this is seeing visions and prophesying, dreaming dreams. And you go to Acts 19.6, Paul lays hands on these believers. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they do two things. They begin speaking in tongues, they start prophesying. What has done is I have an increased presence of the Holy Spirit. I get increased voices. Now, can you move in the Holy Spirit but you're just a good Baptist and you just don't believe in this stuff? Absolutely. But Dennis Balcom of China, who oversees, they say, about 100 million Chinese Christians, probably the number one figures, lived in 40 years of revival in China, one of the number one figures in the underground church of China, told me this. He says, Bob, first I got files and files and files and files of documented miracles. And he says, every Chinese believer moves in signs and wonders. Baptist, Presbyterian, Evangelical, Pentecostal, they all do. But when they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the rate goes way up. So you're just getting some juice. You're just kind of getting an increase of his presence. You're getting a heightened awareness to his voice. 
And then just connect your thoughts to the possibility of the Spirit speaking. We're like Samuel. Samuel thought that when God was talking to him, it was Eli the priest. He kept running to Eli the priest. Did you talk to me? No, 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 go to bed. Finally, Eli said, let's get the kids hearing from God. So he said, stop and just say, Lord, speak. Your servant's listening. You think everything in your head is your thoughts. It might be God's thoughts. You're joining God's thoughts to you and interpreting them as your thoughts. What you got to do is take your thoughts and say, these might be God's thoughts. Now, my last little admonition, and then we're going to get going here. Path. They didn't put this down. But I'm going to say it anyway. Don't be a theopath. What's a theopath? Where God is constantly just speaking to you all the time. You have no common sense. You're going to the store. Does God want me to buy Nally's chili or select? I'm waiting. What are you doing, Bob? I'm just waiting in the aisle here. Don't get weird words. Don't be flaky. You're a, you're a human being with a soul, intellect, senses, emotions to interact with your world. And God has made that. And God has breathed his spirit on you and in you to begin to put his thoughts in that realm. But he's not to take away that realm. We need to be spiritually natural and we'll be naturally spiritual. So would you stand to your feet?